Our second scripture today comes from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. Hear God's word for you today. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one of the things that I try to do as a pastor is to help us better understand certain words or terms that are frequently used uh, in the life of the church. You might notice that last week we took a look at the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else in his ministry. And last week we realized that the kingdom of God is whenever and wherever God's will is being done. That in those places... God's kingdom is alive and present. That God invites us to participate into the breaking in of God's kingdom here on earth. To be partners with God. Well, today I want us to take up a different word. We heard it recently in this passage uh, three different times. Righteous or righteousness. God will cause a righteous branch to spring up. God will execute justice and righteousness in the land. And the name by which it will be called will be, the Lord is our righteousness. What do you think righteousness means? What do you think it means to live in a righteous fashion? I think I shared with you a while back how when I was 20, I backpacked around New Zealand and Australia. Everything I had was in that backpack. Uh, only had a few t-shirts. One of those t-shirts was one that I purchased while I was down under, and it had a picture of Bob Marley on the back. <laughs> and uh, so he's smiling, and his dreadlocks are flowing. And on the bottom, it said, my future is righteousness. I love that t-shirt. I had no idea what that meant, <laughs> but I love that t-shirt. The word righteousness or righteous, it's not used a whole lot today. If it is, I think the most common setting is attaching the prefix self uh, in front of it. To be self-righteous means that we think too highly of ourselves, that we think we have all the answers. It kind of comes off a little bit proud or arrogant. But as Christians, I think it's really important that we understand what the word righteous means. Because in the Old Testament alone, the root word in Hebrew is used over 523 different times. And so the Hebrew word for righteous is siddiq. Righteousness means uh, it relates to how something should be the way in which God intended it to be. It means to live the right way, to live a life of integrity and honesty and uprightness 
and to be just. And so you have Sadiq, which is righteousness, and Sadiq has a sibling, a partner, justice. And justice in Hebrew is mishpat. So you've got Sadiq and mishpat that are constantly side by side. We just heard it where it talks about and he shall execute justice and righteousness. And so often we hear these two words together. We would hear these two words together often when Dr. Martin Luther King would preach, whether it be in a pulpit or the steps of the Lincoln Memorial where he would preach, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Those words originally came out of the mouth of the prophet Amos. And he lived right before Jeremiah, and he was prophesying prophesying to the ten northern tribes of Israel and to their kings. And he said that righteousness, Sadiq, specifically relates to how do you treat the poor, the downtrodden, those that are on the margins. And so it says in Amos 5, 7, Woe to you who turn justice to vinegar and stomp righteousness into the mud. He would go on to accuse his leaders of selling Sadiq in exchange for silver. So countless warnings were heeded. Countless warnings were ignored until the Assyrians came and took them away, enslaved them. Now comes Jeremiah, similar message, this time to the two southern tribes of Judah. Jeremiah twenty-two thirteen 13 says, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbors work for nothing and does not give them their wages. Once again, these warnings were not heeded. They were ignored. Now the Babylonians come and plunder Jerusalem, tear down their temple, and lead them off into exile. God's righteousness stands firmly against exploitation and corruption. God's righteousness is in line with having a heart for the poor and for the oppressed. And so we can look back at Israel and Judah and think to ourselves, oh man, how could they ignore these prophecies? How could they go directly counter to God's desires, to God's righteousness? But instead of focusing on them, let's focus on us. Let's focus on today. What's one thing that you think we'll look back on years from now? And you'll say to yourself, man, I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we thought that. I can't believe we allowed that to happen. If righteousness is God's way of living, living as God intended, what's one example that we could think of of unrighteous living, not back then, but in the here and now, that future generations will look back and say, wow, in the same exact way that we look back 
on what was going during the time of Jeremiah and Amos. Sometimes we're in the moment, it's hard to discern what is right from wrong. What is God's will and what is our will? But our inability to discern right from wrong is one of the main reasons why Jesus had to come into this world. That is why on this first Sunday of Advent, we can light this candle of hope. The word Advent, as we heard, means coming or arrival. The arrival of the Son of God. The arrival of the Prince of Peace. The arrival of the Lord of Righteousness. If we want to understand what righteousness looks like, let us focus our gaze upon Jesus Christ, a young man who fed the hungry, who healed the sick, who brought dignity and hope and new life and new opportunities to women and children and criminals and Samaritans and lepers, someone who spent the first few years of his life living as a refugee and the last hours of his life being falsely accused, being arrested, being executed, even though he was totally innocent. The more we come to know about who Jesus Christ is, about what he was passionate about, about what he was for, about what he is against, the more it helps us to understand what we should be passionate about, what we should be for, what we should be against. Now, here's where it gets really complicated, sometimes confusing. I've heard people ask the question, does your church focus on Jesus Christ or does it focus on social justice? I believe that is a false choice. Listen to what David Fitch writes. He says, if you center your life on social justice with Jesus as your helper, justice will eventually become about you and your effort. If you center your life on Jesus, social justice is about what he is doing in the world. And you are empowered to live social justice, not just work for it. I remember my last year in seminary and there is a well-known pastor not too far from here and their church is passionate about helping refugees get resettled and they do an amazing job and so he was telling our class about his church and then it came time for a Q&A and one of the students asked well what's the difference between your church and a nonprofit?" and he said well I guess our church just does it a lot better. For some reason, that came off a little bit self-righteous to me in terms of that response. And there's another question where someone asks, well, what if someone in your congregation doesn't agree with your stance or your direction on this topic or that issue? And he said, well, I guess either they come to accept our issue or they end up going to another church. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, too. Who or what our focus is upon makes all the difference in the world. Focusing solely on social justice 
will lead us into a life of self-righteousness, of arrogance, where what I care about better be what you care about, and you better agree with me 100% of the time. Focusing on Jesus Christ without any care or concern for issues of social justice and human rights and inequality reveals you don't know who Jesus Christ is. And you're not willing to follow his lifestyle and his example and his teachings as he has called us to. But dedicating our lives to coming to know who Jesus Christ is and what he's passionate about and what he's for and what he's against and seeking to live into his righteousness, that has the ability to change the world and definitely has the ability to change our lives. And that is what God desires. It's really about who we allow to lead. Who's going to be the one that leads? So I was thinking back to before Amelia and I were married, where before that wedding, before that reception, we decided it was a wise move to sign up for some ballroom dance lessons. (laughs) So once a week, we would drive down to San Jose and we would spend time with our instructor. And one of the first things that we learned was there needs to be someone that leads and there needs to be someone that follows. And if you have two people that are both leading, that doesn't work so well. That is awkward. That is clumsy. Any of you know what I'm talking about? It's not solely about just us to bring about righteousness and justice and equality into this world. It's not just about our leaders and our lawmakers and our nonprofits. And if it were, we'd be in trouble. And that candle of hope would be barely flickering, maybe smoldering. Because that leads us to a more self-righteous way of living. We are called to live into God's righteousness, to allow God to be the one who leads. And the other important point about dancing, you got to know the steps. You have to be knowledgeable. And if you have one or two people that don't know the steps, that doesn't work out so well either. Believe me, I know. You got to practice regularly. You have to put in the time and the energy and the focus. You have to develop a chemistry and a relationship with your partner. Yes, we are called to allow Christ to be the one who leads in our lives. But we also need to learn the steps. We need to understand what God is for and what God is against and to be passionate about what God is passionate about. And so that is our hope, despite still living in a world where there's too much injustice, That is our hope, still living in a world where there's too much exploitation and corruption. 
That is our hope where too many people continue to turn a blind eye to racism and inequality. We live in a time and a day today where it's the first day of the church year. Happy New Year, everyone. First day of Advent. And with that comes a new start, new opportunities, new way of living and growing, a new reason for hope. And so may our New Year's resolutions at the beginning of this church year not necessarily be about shedding a few pounds or getting on that uh, treadmill a little bit more often than we do. May we as Christians make a resolution to live into God's righteousness, understanding why Christ had to come into this earth, what he is passionate about. And then may we allow him to take the lead. Amen.